0: Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I am Rick Rumlick. What it is, what it is. I don't get what that means. It just means how's it going? No. Clearly.
1: Just, how's it going is a question. How are you doing? What's going on? going on? What's going on? Saying
0: what it is. What it is. What is it a is statement.
1: Yeah. I'm not a
0: question. It's a statement question. Uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory.
1: <laughs> What's going on, homie? Uh, graduated from Mount Vernon, right? I
0: sure did. <laughs> Nazarene University. Yeah, I don't... A lot of wonderful <laughs> people there, but I don't recommend that school. <laughs> Very theologically liberal. <laughs> almost didn't hey, say Rob, anything. I was like, not, maybe I shouldn't. Let's
1: not knock uh, denominations oh try Tribe. I see what you did there. Hey, welcome to uh, Simple Theology. We're going to get into some distinctives about denominations, but Rob, what did you just crack open, that crisp sound?
0: Oh, it was a nice Bella V Lime. Be- what? Sparkling water. It's basically uh, Aldi's version of LaCroix. LaCroix? Yeah. The wrapper.
1: Bellavie Bella v Bella v. Lime.
0: Bellavie Lime.
1: Okay, it says sparkling water. Like, the way you're holding out that said smoking water.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is.
1: You drink this when you smoke. <laughs> What's going on, That's Rob? Good stuff.
0: Uh, not a lot, man. Excited for. The, so, the past three days have been really, really wonderful in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Because
0: uh, March Madness. March Madness. Um, so, I've just been watching a ton of basketball lately, primarily thanks to you because you hooked us up. Yeah. Let's we'll get some access to that. But, yeah. But that was, I mean, I've been watching a lot of games. My bracket's doing well, which mm. I'm excited about. And, I mean, I, I say it's doing well as of now. By the time this comes out, my bracket may have blown up. But we are in the Sweet 16. Uh, no, we're in round two right now to get to the Sweet 16. But we're on the second day of round two. And so far, I'm leading the little group that we're doing for our life group. Doo-doo. Hopefully, that continues. Rob Chink is our little horde over here. Yeah, you know what it is. But Danielle, she filled out a bracket separate. And if she was in our group, she'd be winning. She's killing it. So
1: Why isn't she in the group?
0: Uh, because it was it was done online through ESPN tournament challenge
1: uh is she incapable of getting on espn and doing that or she just, just didn't invite her one. you didn't ask her to be a part of it
0: uh yes it was the latter you didn't
1: ask her yeah that's yeah. what i thought
0: it was only the guys who did it
1: male chauvinist mm-hmm. that's thought You're right. egalitarian
0: uh, i thought she she's got no replace man oh my god <laughs> it's a man's game okay <laughs> 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 what's the word when you
1: like um, publicly like reject um such a, a, a d i think you um denounce um, I thought there's another word. Um, I can't think what it is, I but you know. Anyway, good for you, Rob. I'm glad the last three days are going well, and yeah, you're enjoying they're going real, your basketball. Real well.
0: I'm enjoying that. Um, once we're done here, I plan on watching some more, filling out some church planting stuff, because I happen to be going through the process mm. of planting a church with the. SPC. Christian Missionary Alliance. <laughs> and Rick is currently much further ahead in the process. But I he, don't know about that. He is planting a church through the C Chris, and MA.
1: Christian Missionary Alliance. I call it, as do a lot of people, CMA. I was going to sure. ask that. Do you guys typically
0: say CMA or CMA So it's
1: Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, some people will say the C and MA, and I'm like, you're just getting too big for your britches. It's CMA. <laughs> but then people are like, CMA, like Country Music Association, or, you know, yeah. all these other things. Don't you
0: guys have a lot of awards that you give yeah. out each other?
1: Nashville year? is our, it's our mecca.
0: Where your hub <laughs> is? That's funny, so is the SBCs. Is it really? Yeah, Nashville? dude, Nashville is... The spot? Yeah, it's Where's the, spot. the
1: headquarters? Nashville. Nashville. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, we are wel- we're We're welcoming you. We're glad you're here. We are here to talk about, um, this isn't versus, as we had to clarify with our wives, it's not SBC versus CMA, or anything like that. We're just explaining. <laughs> yeah. As you guys have been listening to us for, maybe some of you for a year now, um, these are the the two denominations that are associations that we're in. We thought it'd be helpful to be able to just lay out for you kind of who they are, what they believe, in, and why we're a part of them.
0: Yeah, Danielle was like, you guys are doing an episode on the CMA versus the SBC? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Methodist Presbyterians next, baby. <laughs> Wonder who's gonna win that one. (laughs) Depends. Depends which Presbyterian church you're talking about.
1: Hey, in Mount Vernon actually we just I just saw a sign. So it could have been around for a while, but it is a I think a newer church. It's an Orthodox Presbyterian church.
0: Yeah, OPC. Yep. You know me.
1: Do they? (laughs) Anyway. All right, Rob what's up with denominations? Are they helpful for us? Do they hurt us? Why is there so much division in the church that everyone loves Jesus? So why is there so many denominations?
0: Yeah. I was actually talking with um, a coworker of mine back in the fall who happens to be Mormon. And mm-hmm. um, he he was saying something similar. Like, hey, like you guys claim to to value unity, but it sure seems like you guys are not unified. You've got all kinds of different denominations. And you guys don't worship together in those denominations. Like, what what's going on there? He's like, at least the LDS Church is unified. <laughs> and Ooh, okay, and and I had to explain, um, and hopefully I did it in a in a helpful way, With but some way, yeah. But I had, I had to explain. No, no, no. Like, we are unified. The Protestant Church is unified on the things that make Protestants Protestants, will make Christians Christian. However, there are some in-house distinctives of this is what we believe when it comes to baptism, or this is what we believe when it comes to church polity, or this is what we believe when it comes to particular doctrines of the Christian faith. And so because we want to be clear on those things, we associate and partner with other like-minded churches, and those things end up being called denominations. And so Nazarenes have a particular set of beliefs. However, Nazarenes who have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can still rightfully call them brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can mm-hmm. rightfully call them Christians. Same thing with Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, CMA. Episcopalians. Yeah, exactly. So um, at the at the core, we, we are unified, but in order to cut through some of the fog and find out where people lie and, and find out um, what they believe about particular doctrines, they associate with a particular denomination. hmm doesn't mean that um, Baptists and Presbyterians have a different view of salvation, but it may be a different view on, uh, so for instance, baptism. Right. Yeah. So... Uh, or church polity, yep. but yeah, we, we can get into all those things. But but I ultimately very much so think that denominations are helpful because it's just a, a helpful way to say this is where we stand on certain things. Like we're not going to try and be something that we're not. We're going to be very exactly. clear with you. We're going to be yes. up front. This is this is what we believe about these things. And when people take the stances that they take on these issues, they are known as Baptist or they are yes. known as Methodist. And so. I, I, I do think it is helpful.
1: Yes, I would agree. They are very helpful. Um, people often look to the early church and say, look, they didn't have denominations there. Why do we have de- denominations now? And one, I would say, they pretty pretty much did. They just didn't have titles for them. They had different doctrines that they were holding to. Some were, were in or were wrong, and you see Paul writing and saying, hey, quit that, stop that. But there's definitely wasn't complete—what's— um, Unanimity. What's the word? Come on, Rob. Uh, unanimity. Unanimity. Thank you. Rob, you're good. Mm. Among all the Christians. Um, but to zoom out a level, and Rob used this word, I'm going to say it again, Protestants. So in church culture today, we see there's some, a few different kind of big gr- groups. Um, Protestants are those that came out of the Reformation. They separated from, from Catholicism, and they hold primarily to faith alone um, via salvation. So there's Protestantism, which is a lot of the denominations we have today. There's the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church.
0: Which is not Protestant.
1: Which is not Protestant. And then you have Greek um, Orthodox churches, mm-hmm. which are like a lot of Eastern Greek Orthodox, the Russian Greek Orthodox. And so m- um, almost all churches fall into one of those umbrellas or yeah. l- one of those camps. So, um, w- go ahead. W- we will be talking soon about Catholicism and uh, kind of their stance on some things and how um, maybe we should view some of what they think and believe. But
0: Yeah, so we we earlier had an episode on theological triage. Yes. And we were talking about first tier, second tier, and third tier disagreements. And first tier would be that one that says, can you rightly be called a Christian? Mm -hmm. And so, like, for instance, first tier, that was what would distinguish between a Protestant, someone who protested away from the Roman Catholic Church, Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox, like that. that's where that difference lies. And then that second tier says, okay, yeah, you are within the Protestant household, but you have a different view on certain things. That'd be the denominational lines. And so uh, an illustration that, it's not a perfect parallel, um, but maybe it'll prove helpful in some context, um, is that if Danielle and I, okay, I'm an Ohio State fan. Danielle's also an Ohio State fan, but let's say she's, for sake of this illustration, she's a Michigan fan.
1: Mm, I knew she was a Michigan Always fan.
0: Always knew. It was pretty clear. However, let's say that we're, I'm a Ohio State, she's a Michigan fan, and we are living in the same house just because we have a different viewpoint on who we're rooting for when it comes to the big game in the fall. That doesn't mean that we live in separate houses. It doesn't right. mean we, we have, live in a Great different area. Division. We're, yeah, yeah, we're both in the same household.
1: In a subdivision.
0: Yeah, but we have a different <laughs> viewpoint on a particular issue. Right. Now, whereas, for instance, a Roman Catholic wouldn't be able to even be in the same household so like we're rooting for this i'm really stretching this illustration but ohio state fan for football michigan fan for football danielle uh we're in the same household then somebody comes in and says i'm a huge hockey fan okay that's not even in the same department when it comes to like okay we're actually talking about football here and then we have a difference in which team we root for in football like if you're a hockey fan like you're you're a completely different discussion So totally stretched that further than what it needed to be. However, I think it's a helpful understanding that you can still be in the same household but have a different viewpoint on certain subjects, and that's where denominations are. All these people within Mm. the Protestant household, they may have different viewpoints on different areas, and that's how you distinguish them through the denominations.
1: Correct. And I, I mean, again, they are helpful. I think they're very helpful. All right, Rob. So that's kind of what we think about denominations as a whole. You are a part of a denomination called the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. um, which a few things you can get from there. One, they're Southern. Two, they're Baptist. And they're maybe not a denomination.
0: Ah, uh, Yes, that's the first thing I was going to say is that that the SBC is not technically a denomination it's it's a cooperative or it's a an association of cooperating churches that drinks getting to me um that bella v sparkling water
1: smoking water (laughs) yeah
0: exactly um so they do not have denominational um authority Mm -hmm. so what what they can do is they can remove a church but they can't go the from the top of the denomination, the president of the denomination or of the convention, yeah. can't go into a church and say, you need to remove this pastor. You have to remove him, and here's who we're going to mm-hmm. place in. Mm-hmm.
1: Or, the... or really much of anything.
0: Yeah, exactly. At, because at because one of the distinctives, and we'll put a link in for um, some of the distinctives of the SBC, um, is that they believe in the uh, autonomous local church. Yeah. And so in, when it comes to local congregations, they say it's up to you guys to choose your statement of faith. It's up to you guys to set leaders in your church, and some will do it certain ways. It's up to you guys to choose your polity. Do you want to have a plurality of elders? Do you want to be elder-led, or do you want to be elder-rule, or do you want to have one pastor with a deacon board, or do you want to—they make these decisions, and it's up to each local congregation to make those decisions for themselves. And so the SBC can't go in and say, hey, local— SBC congregation on Fourth Street in Nashville, you have to do this this way, and and if you don't, then there's going to be repercussions. The most they can do is just say we no longer recognize you as an SBC church, but they other than that they can't do anything. So, um, that is one of the I mean that's kind of like the unique thing about the SBC because mm-hmm. I mean yeah. they're obviously Baptist yeah. right Southern Baptist, yep. um, so they do believe in believers' baptism. Um, and believers' baptism by immersion, so that that's going to be a Baptist distinctive, but primarily, but believers' baptism, not not infant baptism. And they are a convention; they're not a denomination. But in the southern part of it, so this is where we get like kind of into the the history of the SBC. So, in the sixteen, I've got a little timeline here. So, um, for those taking notes, I highly doubt people take notes when they listen to us.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I I if you're the listen. one person out there. <laughs> I'm going to walk through these. You.
0: Yeah, I'm type A personality, so I'm almost always taking notes. But in the 1630s, that's when the first American Baptist church was founded. And that was founded by a gentleman by the name of Roger Williams, and that was in Rhode Island. So that's when the first Baptist church in America is founded. And then in 1844, so over 200 years later, Georgia Baptist. Um, and what's called the Home Mission Society. So that was basically like missions on the home front. So missions within America, domestic missions. Um, The Georgia Baptists, they approached the Home Mission Society, and they asked to appoint a slaveholder to be a missionary to Georgia. The Home Mission Society responded by saying, no. Mm. They said, ain't no way. And so the same thing in that same year happened with Alabama Baptists. So Alabama said, hey, we, want to, we recommend a guy. We're asking that you would appoint them as a missionary. By the way, they're slaveholders. And that's when the whole slavery issue was a really big topic, and the Home Mission Society, they said no again. And so in 1845, um, Baptists of the South called a, a meeting, and they met in Augusta, Georgia in May, and they met for the sake of trying to dis- to discern whether or not they should break away from the American Baptists because they believe that they should be allowed to send um, slaveholders as missionaries. Now, something to note here is that uh, the majority of Baptists during that time were not terribly well-to-do. And... Um, typically, if you're not well-to-do, you're not going to have slaves. So even though this was a hot topic, this wasn't something that was like 80% of Southern Baptists had slaves. It was they just believed that they should be able to send people, if they do have slaves, should be able to send them as missionaries. Even though that's wrong, and right. and we Correct. hardly disagree with that now, uh, thankfully. But
1: heart, heart, Hardly or heartily?
0: Heartily, Yeah. Thank you. That's a good distinction. <laughs> Not hardly. We hardly agree. Heartily.
1: Strongly <laughs> disagree.
0: Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so from that meeting, they end up agreeing that we should split. We're going to become the Southern Baptist, and you guys can be the Northern Baptist or the American Baptist, whatever you want to call yourselves. So they end up splitting, they form a uh, different. Organization and the primary differences were they had different viewpoints on the missions budget. They had a, a a little bit of a larger focus on international missions, not just home missions. But then they also the wanted Southern to, did. yeah, the Southern Baptists, and then they also wanted to be able to appoint slaveholders. Now, in his history of a Southern Baptist convention, W.W. Barnes expressed the view that these differences between Northern and Southern Baptists would have actually brought separation eventually, um, even if there had been no slavery abolition issue. So um, these slave states were kind of voting in blocks in, what was it, in Congress. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Neville, for being a part of the podcast by scratching your collar. Um, And so they were voting all together in blocks in Congress, and it was starting to really cause a rift within the denomination. And so... That's kind of what brought it to a head, is that that's when these things came up, and they said, like, you know what, you're voting in blocks, it's, it's causing problems, we are not going to appoint slaveholders, and he said that there were enough differences between the Southern Baptist and Northern Baptist that the split would have eventually come anyway, mm-hmm. but this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, and we could put a link. What an odd saying. Yeah. Anyway. Is that what we're talking about, Rick?
1: I'm just like, <laughs> you know, we always say that, the straw that broke the camel's back, and I think it implies, like... So much, and then like, you can only add so much more because eventually it will be just that little bit. But
0: yep, so you just was, don't
1: think about camels in the south no, at that time, but, but pre Civil War, you know?
0: Yeah, but that was the uh the straw that broke that camel's back. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, so talk
1: about some maybe throughout the history with the SBC. What are some low points that like? Okay, here's uh some. I don't see black eyes, but definitely some not proud moments.
0: Yeah. So obviously, the one we just they're listed, humans <laughs> yeah the one we just listed that they were supporting slaveholders. We now look yeah. back at that and shake our heads but
1: well and 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 SBC is um, I mean I don't know how you recover from all that, but I feel like especially the last few years, they've adamantly tried to um, apologize for that
0: yeah they, they and they've really done a, a strong job of, of doing that. Which I've been I've been proud of, but we're talking about some of the low point and, and just the way that it was founded was kind of a low point. Yeah, I mean there were some good things in it, with regards to them having a, a desire for missions. Yeah, um, but with the way they wanted to go about that wasn't probably wasn't something that anyone should be proud of. But then also in the um, early and mid. 20th century, the 1900s, that there there was a very liberal stint, and it wasn't until the conservative resurgence um, in the late 20th century that that went away. Uh, So for a long time, there were some extremely liberal theologians within the SBC um, that were preaching some very dangerous doctrines. But then also, just most recently, and this is what maybe a lot of listeners would be able to uh, be able to find on the internet most readily is the sexual abuse scandal. So one of the distinctives of the SBC is the autonomy of the local church. So that brings a lot of wonderful things, and it also brings a lot of frustrating things. Mm-hmm. And one of the frustrating things is that there's not a, a denominational database where all the churches within the SBC can look at and see why maybe certain staff members were let go. Yeah. Like, what was the reasoning? So an individual who may have sexually abused somebody because um, because of the autonomy of that church, they maybe let go, but then they don't have to report that anywhere other than right. maybe the authorities. But if a church, another SBC church, decides to bring them on years down the road and they don't run a background check, then they're never going to know about that. Or call the old church. Exactly, grid, yeah. which unfortunately happens all the time. They, yeah. they don't call. I mean, churches, when they hire people, don't oftentimes don't call the previous church, which is crazy to me, mm-hmm. but it happens. Yeah, so, well—
1: and to talk about that, you talk about the the con- liberal stint and the conserv- conservative resurgency that happened. And, you know, you got guys like Paige Patterson was a huge part of that and was championed for that. And yeah. then it comes out, that he, not that he sexually abused someone, but that he was um, – kind of took maybe some abuse and, and treated it lightly. Like it's not a big issue. Just submit mm-hmm. and deal with it. We talked about that a, a few – oh, well, a while back. But, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, you have these people that you kind of look up to for one thing and then they fall – and we've seen a lot of guys, um in different different denominations, but because of sexual issues or just abuse in general, who have fallen. Um and and their sin has been revealed. It's hard to deal with, but it's a good reminder of why we don't put our faith in denominations or in leaders of denominations.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So those are some low points. Um, Bring us back up, Rob. Yeah, so some high points. I just mentioned earlier the conservative resurgence led by guys like Paige Patterson, Albert Moeller, the president of Southern Seminary. Um, I I watched his inaugural address where students of the seminary at the time, and you can find this on YouTube. Maybe we should put, hold on, let me write that in. We should put a link to that. I'll get it. You keep talking. Okay, so I watched that where these students who have been... I'm taught by these liberal professors where Southern is known as a theologically liberal school. They just try to grill Albert Moeller, and it's a young Albert Moeller, and he handles it so well. I mean, with such poise, and I, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I'm glad it's him answering those questions and not me, because I I could just so easily see myself getting frustrated with the way they're asking things because they're asking it in a very disrespectful way. And they're trying to trap him in his words, and he he answers it one way, um, and he just says, like, if you ever want to talk with me further about it, we can do it outside of this forum. Then somebody else tries to get him to, to bite, and it's just all kinds of craziness going on in this uh, inaugural address where he opens the floor up to students to ask him questions. But he handles it in such a tremendous way, and, and it's really fascinating to watch him go through that, but he, with other guys, um, led this conservative resurgence, and now the SBC is known once again to have gone back to its uh, theological roots um, of being a, a institution committed to the infallible and inerrant Word of God and submitting themselves to Scripture, um, just uh, really encouraged by the conservative resurgence. But another thing that I, that I love about, uh, and I'm thrilled about the SBC is their cooperative program. So the conservative resurgence is one. The cooperative program is another one where if you are a part of the SBC, then you agree to be a cooperating church. And so you get to choose how much you give to the cooperative program each year. There's not a set amount, um, but the, the only requirement is that you do give something because what it does is it fuels four institutions. So the North American mission board, which is kind of like the home mission society that we were talking about earlier, where it's like a, uh, Domestic missions, so that looks like church planting. So North American Mission Board is planting churches. The International Mission Board is the mission-sending organization of the SBC. The ERLC, which is the Ethics and Religious Liberty, um, is it? Council. Is it council? Uh, pretty sure. Okay. Ethics and Religious Liberty Council, um, which is going, it spends a lot of time. Commission. I commission. Corrected. Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, spent led by Russell Moore. Uh, And they spend a lot of time at Capitol Hill trying to fight for uh, policies that are going to reflect uh, the values of the SBC. And then the last one is uh, the six seminaries. So the SBC has six seminaries, Southern being one of them, the one that Al Mohler is president of. Um, It's where I go. I go. I'm biased, but it's one of the greatest seminaries in the world. Some people say it has the greatest staff in the world. But Midwestern Theological Seminary is very solid. They're really starting to make a big splash. Great seminary. Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary is a really solid one. Southwestern just lost their president um, in Page Patterson, but they just appointed, I believe it's Adam Greenway. And I, I think they're going to make a, a great comeback. Then there's New Orleans, and then there's also, I believe it's Gateway. But six seminaries but the cooperative program supports those four ministries, North American mission board, the international mission board, the ERLC and the six seminaries.
1: They're getting it done.
0: They're doing a lot, man. And just, just a few things about, so the IMB right now, one of their philosophies is that they want to fully fund their missionaries. They don't want missionaries to have to come home and have to raise support. They want their time where they have furlough, where they get to come home to be a time where they're resting. And so all of their, uh, Missionaries are fully funded. They go through a really, really intense and rigorous um, vetting process. But they have over 3,600 fully funded international missionaries. Uh, North American Mission Board, the most recent data is in 2016. Uh, So obviously it takes some time to get data in, and Mm -hmm. I think they try to make sure that the church is established and not just something that was planted and then two months later folds. Uh, But in 2016, 732 new churches were planted. And then another thing that I love about the SBC is the church autonomy, the, the freedom of the local congregation, the local expression of the body of Christ to be able to choose their their pastors, to be able to choose their elders or their, their deacons, um, and to be able to choose their statement of faith so long as it's um, within the bounds of the SBC. Most SBC churches accept the Baptist Faith and Message, uh, also known as the BFNM. And uh, some will go and say... Rather than the Baptist Faith Message, we're gonna accept a more narrow one, like the 1853 New Hampshire or the 1689 London or Second London Baptist Confession, or maybe the Philadelphia. But w- whatever it is, there's there's tons that can be accepted. But the mm-hmm. the Baptist Faith Message Message 2000 is a broadly accepted one, and we'll put a link to that as well. And then one of the things um, that that actually frustrate me. About the sbc which we talked about earlier is because of their autonomy there's not a lot um, of ways to as a denomination Mm -hmm. avoid things like sexual abuse being covered up Mm -hmm. and i mean the houston chronicle revealed that and and we like listen guys we we praise god that that was revealed because that needs to be revealed so people will be like, oh, it's just like the Catholic Church. But no, it, it's not quite like the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church as a— They ain't got no Pope. Yeah, exactly. As an institution knew about these things, mm-hmm. and as an institution covered them up. What we're finding in the SBC is some local churches right. have covered it up, and they're now being exposed. And so now the SBC is trying to make changes, but right now one of the things that frustrates me about the autonomy is that there is no like institutional— database right. to be able to to do yeah. something like Ho- that but hopefully that, they can lord willing some of that up yeah yeah lord willing that will change For but sure. that, that's the sbc i that was a quick i mean quick we're already like 28 minutes in sorry about that rick but that was very quick overview you can find a lot more i missed a ton but yeah. if you guys want to find more we will have resources put in the show notes now rick yes tell us about the Country Music Awards. <laughs> the CMA, Christian Missionary Christian Alliance.
1: Christian Missionary Lights, yeah. So for comparison, the Christian Missionary Lights, we'll call it, use the word CMA, or the, the letter CMA for abbreviation. Um, the CMA is much smaller, where the SBC, they have about 15 million weekly attenders in the United States. Um, the CMA has about 500,000.
0: As I say, the SBC says they have 15 million, but it's really like five to six. Which is still, uh, no, I mean, that's been one of the things that they've said is that, like, the the role says weekly attendance, yeah, really? their, their membership things will say 15 million, but in reality, only five to six million are showing up.
1: So, anyway, we're a much smaller denomination. Um, I had until I came to the, the CMA church that I first was attending, then came on staff, I had never even heard of the Christian Missionary Lights, no idea what they were. Um, much smaller. They got started a lot later. Um, originally started, the kind of vision started in the 1880s in New York City by Dr. Albert Benjamin Simpson. He graduated from Knox College of Theological Training, which is actually in Canada. And he was a Presbyterian minister who worked his way from Canada down to Kentucky and then to a very prestigious church in the heart of New York City, where he was working, Um, his heart began to break for just the down and out, the outcast, a lot of immigrants in the city at that time, and he began to work with them. Now, I think it's in my notes somewhere, I can't find it, but he was a pastor at like 13th Street Presbyterian Church. Yeah, I see see it in your notes, 13th Street Presbyterian Church. He went there to to reach the city, and he started inviting these immigrants and these um, dock workers, to the church, and the church leaders said you can't do that, and wow, and he so then he left the Presbyterian denomination and just started um, a group, kind of to, to train people to to be missionaries and um, started a, a, the first Bible training ministry. Um, if I'm on notes here. I have a timeline here, but yes. So first of all, he produced the first U.S. Illustrated missionary magazine, The Gospel in All Lands. Um, In in 1882, the Missionary Training Institute in New York was founded, and it was the first Bible college in North America as well. Um, And later it would become Nyack College, and Nyack is still in New York. It's now in New York City, um, down in Manhattan. Um, so in this time, the CMA began to grow as just a, a kind of an association. And they they started doing um, what they called like tabernacle revival things. And, and that grew and grew. And um, they started kind of out when the holiness movement kicked up. They were kind of involved in that. And that began to shape the CMA some. Um, began to be more charismatic. And we'll kind of get into that some. But the, the, there's still... The belief in, in most CMA churches that the gifts are still working. So we say that their continuation is. They believe those gifts have continued. And what we say in the denomination is there's an expectation without agenda. So if we believe they're active, then we should have the expectation they're here, but we don't have the agenda that they're here.
0: So, so you're not going to have, like, after music and after the sermon, we're going to have 10 minutes of tongues.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So they. When they used to be more close with kind of Pentecostalism, and then they separated and kind of pulled back from that. And the Assemblies of God actually came out of the CMA back in the day. Oh, wow. And they split over the difference of, are tongues required for salvation? And at that point, the Assemblies of God said, yes, they are. The CMA said, no, they're not. Wow. And they split.
0: Do you know if Assemblies of God would still say that today? Um, I would imagine they wouldn't. I would imagine they wouldn't. I don't know I how you could support old,
1: that. think some old-timers would say they they are. and They might say... No expectation, but agenda. Yeah, I don't know, but exactly. an agenda. Um, anyway, so, so you know, just for, you know, about 60 years here, it's just kind of growing as a movement, and they're sending missionaries to all kinds of places overseas. Um, they're pioneering, pioneering that work. And then um, 1950, A.W. Tozer, who was a, a CMA pastor for many, many years, be, becomes the editor of Alliance Weekly, a CMA publication. Um. And then in 1955, this is unique, General Counsel affirms the principles of self-support, self-government, and self-propagation for indigenous nation churches. Um, and this, what this was, was... By this time, the CMA had spread to multiple countries, and indigenous churches had begun, which is, praise the Lord, that's the goal. And they said, okay, you are now autonomous. You are your own CMA denomination. And so an illustration, we, we just saw the Methodists had this big convention in the states. And from all over the world, people came, representatives came. And um, what kind of saved the vote was the representatives from Africa and other conservative parts of the world. So in the CMA, we are all a part of the CMA denomination in, in a word, but each country is autonomous. So they don't all have one general council. Each country has their own ruling general council, which is the highest governing body in in the denomination. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, 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 wow. That's so you. You said that the the representatives from Africa are the ones that kind of saved the vote because they were more conservative.
1: And In the Methodist vote that just
0: happened. Oh, okay, that? I was going to say, man, that's exactly like the Methodists yeah, just Yeah, so we just <laughs> saw that with
1: the Methodists where it was like South America and Africa yeah. where the conservative part of the church kind of um, shifted the, the North American church, right? And in 1955, the CMA said, hey, each country has their own autonomous kind of branch I guess if you will of the CMA. Yeah, yeah. Um but get this it wasn't t- until 1974 that the CMA actually became an became an official denomination. Until then it was uh, just a group of like-minded individuals. They actually had tabernacles where they gathered for services are pretty much church, but they didn't call themselves a denomination t- until 1974. And at that point their polity began to shift drastically, which is a good thing. Um, so we we'll tag into our notes, our our statement of faith, and co- our I'm going to list out our core values. But our statement of faith kind of is what we believe and, and why we believe those things. Um, we're very obviously we believe orthodox. A few distinctives is that we are currently a premillennial. So we, we have a podcast talks about the millennium, the, um, talking about eschatology, and we are not pretrib. We don't take a stance on the tribulation, but we do say that Christ. It's going will be a premillennial reign of Christ. Um, when A.B. Simpson, Albert Muller Sim, or, yeah, Albert Albert Simpson, or Albert Muller Simpson, Al, <laughs> Albert Benjamin, yeah, is, Albert Benjamin no, Simpson. It's Al,
0: in the middle name Bert.
1: <laughs> Albert. <laughs> Albert. Um, we call him A.B. A.B. Simpson. He, in his writings, developed this thing called the fourfold gospel. And what he was saying was, Christ doesn't just save us, he said, like, it's Christ our Savior. Christ our sanctifier, Christ our healer, and Christ our coming king. Hmm. So he's emphasizing that he, he he has the power to save us, he has the power to make us like Christ, to sanctify us, and then to heal us, and then he will come again. So the CMA has some distinctives on their view of sanctification and their view, and sanctification is a big word for becoming like Christ, and their view um, on healing, both of which I, I would say are orthodox in that in our that Christ can still heal us, and in the atonement, he has provided for that. It doesn't mean Christ will always heal us, and we have that expectation that every time we pray, he's going to heal us. And then regarding sanctification, it's that um, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can grow in our walk and become more like Christ. Now, this is where the CMA, I think, kind of got off at least Ab Simpson kind of got off the rails a little bit, and I'm gonna talk about this in a minute as one of I think the low points. But the Nazarene denomination had or has a view of full sanctification. I think it's more had than has. But the the view that if once you reach receive full sanctification, you no longer sin, which is wrong. You sin until you die. Right. The CMA for a while, it's not like there's another kind of sect under sanctification called Keswick, and it's not Keswick sanctification or theology, but, but A.B. Simpson would say, you reached like the Christ life or the, the deeper life. And what, the way they describe it is that you, you're going along, you find Christ, you convert, you're following him, and you hit this crisis in your life, and you realize you need the Holy Spirit to follow Christ and to live like Christ. And then there's this special feeling, not feeling like... Um, like a Pentecostal and safely, but the special indwelling, filling the Holy Spirit, and now you're living on like a higher plane almost. And that's uh-huh. the deeper life of the Christ life. And I would say that's everyone's calling and there's no separation, there's no layers there. Yeah. There's just some people who who are walking closer with the Lord and with those who are not. And I, I don't make the distinction of um the the deeper life as it's as if that's a level to arrive to. Yeah. So on that so, thing you would you yeah. would
0: disagree with A B.
1: I would disagree with AB but I think most of the like the denomination in their statement of faith would agree with what I'm saying. Yeah. That it's it's becoming more like Christ It's not like this yeah. higher plane kind of a thing. Well, I mean we
0: all have certain points in our lives where we are more so filled with the Holy Spirit in the sense that like oh wow like I just was very close to God in that Correct. season. Of, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go through just quickly the core values as a denomination. That's one lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Two. Prayer prayer is the primary work of God's people. Three, everything we we have belongs to God. The actual word for three is stewardship. Everything we have belongs to God. We are his stewards. Um, four is the scripture. Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. And then five, the Great Commission. Completely Great Commission will, will require the mobilization of every fully... <coughs> That was a weird every every fully devoted <laughs> disciple. Six, the Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit empower without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can accomplish nothing.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really good reminder. Yeah.
1: And then seven I like this distinctive. And it it's faith filled risks. Achieving God's purpose means taking faith filled risks. This always involves change. So those are some core values and I um, can't go through the whole statement of faith, but that is, we'll, we'll tag that in the notes as well. So, as we look through the the timelines, some kind of dips, things that were not um, the brightest moments for the CMA. Yeah, I had to
0: talk about our low moments, our yeah. family baggage. Let's, yeah. Let's hear some of the uh, deets on the CMA, on the yeah, Country so Music Awards. I would say, <laughs> I got to stop saying that. People are actually going to think that that's what you it is. You think of a good
1: acronym <laughs> for that? I can't think of one for the SBC. Anyway. Um, so when the cma was confused i think their confusion over tongues and the holy spirit there's obviously some division some confusion and the fact that there was a split meant that earlier on there must have i mean i'm glad they held their guns on that by all means but earlier on there must have been some poor teaching on that um i think early on before they became a denomination they were just kind of like in a a group of people and, and they're functioning in every way like a church but they weren't saying they were a church and that was just lack of understanding what healthy church leadership is and what church poly- healthy polity was and um, I think that hindered them from probably a lot of things and a lot of growth um, and then as I mentioned the confusion over the, the deeper life, uh, the Christ life piece that they that they had kind of taught or, or propagated um, and and as we're I'm talking about that, that's not CMA everyone that's maybe some A.B. Simpson a few of the kind of more prolific guys. Um, and then another low point, and this is a current low point, and it's sad, is just they have one seminary. It's Nyack Seminary in New York. And Nyack is um, – it's a decent seminary. I've never been there, but I've read some of their stuff, and I know people who have gone there. And I just feel like they're decl- – they're kind of like where the I think the SBC was. They're not as – they don't deny the inerrancy of Scripture. They're not yeah. anywhere like that. But I think that um, – Given that it's it's the only seminary we have in our small denomination, I would love to see it be more robust and theologically. Um, So that's kind of a low point, but some high points. Yes, Um, split that coin. Yeah, so the way it started was incredible, that this guy, very prestigious church, very well-educated, and he literally walks away from all of that stuff to reach the dirty, the poor, people who can barely speak English, um, to reach, you know— the least of these for yeah. Christ. And just how the CMA began is just a really cool, special story. Um, and then it's, they're just passionate about missions. It, it's in our name, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Yeah. We've been sending missionaries out f- for years. Um, currently, I think if, there's about 700, we call them international workers, and um, in over 70 nations. So obviously not nearly as big as the SBC, but for the size, we're trying to get after it. And we have a good career of, of um, not having a high attrition rate that people are sticking to it and as missionaries because it's hard work. Yeah. And then finally, their desire to train and equip um, church leaders and, and make disciples and help them to be then become an, um, more like Christ and train others. And we see that with the old missionary training institute and then with becoming a college and then their kind of high view of earlier on of education You used to have to have a masters of divinity to do um mission work or doing that stuff Wow! so and, and other denominations denominations have similar things but their desire to train and equip have, have always been encouraging you know i went through their their um ordination program to yeah. be ordained in the cma and it was a Lengthy process, a lot of books, lots of papers and stuff, and it was hard. I did not like it, but looking back, I highly appreciate that. And so, one of the things I didn't put this, but I'm going to talk about um, that I love about the is their their polity. So I love their missions. I love their polity, and that is their government structure. So you talked about how the SBC, and this is a distinctive where the two denominations are different. SBC, each church is autonomous. The CMA is like half congregational rule and half like presbytery rule not like the denomination but that kind of structure where each church is um they have kind of full somewhat full reign there they they can make very substantial decisions however the ordination of the minister comes from a higher authority meaning the district the denomination so they vet them they train them they say hey you're qualified you're not qualified um they are gatekeepers for the body of Christ for our denomination. So uh, it's hard in some ways because stuff will come out and you're like, man, I got to submit to that, right? Yeah. In some ways they protect and, and they they really help guard the flock well.
0: Yeah. Well, what I was getting ready to say is that, that that's one of the primary differences between the SBC and the CMA. Mm-hmm. I mean, We both described how one of the things, some of the things that we love about each of these denominations is their heart for missions and their heart for church planting and raising up leaders. And I mean, that is how the gospel goes forward is through the church, whether that's the church domestically or the church internationally, they have a high and strong focus, high viewpoint of the importance of establishing those and investing in those. Mm -hmm. And that is just a, some, one of the things that I, I, I love so much about the SBC, and I love hearing about the CMA with regards to that. But yeah, like the the polity is one of the unique things, and, and you were describing that they are um, kind of a blend. Yes. And so I... Yeah. So a, an example could be um, the lead
1: pastor of, of a church cannot technically be fired by the elders, right? He has to be removed by the district superintendent. However... The elders are the ones who approve uh, of so many things. That they they don't serve as like a check towards a pastor. But if there's a lot of issues, that the the lead head elder calls the district superintendent and says, this is a problem. That district superintendent has the authority to remove that lead pastor. Right Now, the elders have the authority to to fire or hire any other pastor they want, mm-hmm. but the lead guy is kind of... Is, is set somewhat half of it is set by the, the district superintendent. Now how that works, and I was in a church that just went through this. The elder team has to sign off on that lead guy, and the district has to sign off on that guy. So it's not just one or the other. Yeah. Both kind of parties, if you will, have to agree. Okay, we approve this guy. Let's 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 do the interviews. Let's vet him. Let's talk to him, and then let's hire him. Mm-hmm. But both people have to agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, so so there you see where it's it's a balance, um, and what you what you that keeps you from having is heretics in the pulpit, generally speaking, and it keeps you from having kind of rogue churches doing whatever they want under the name or the banner of your denomination.
0: Yeah, I think it also protects <coughs> uh, protects the the denomination from having churches that just roll and cycle through yeah. pastors because right. they found, oh, they love this guy, they're going to hire him, and then two years later they're like, oh, we don't like him anymore because he preached on such and such, and, yeah. and we don't like that, or he preached on such and such. And it may have been something biblical, it's just something that maybe right. they haven't come to embrace or they have decided that they don't want to hear or talk about, and so they just end up altogether throwing the guy out. So I think it, it does protect a lot of churches from right. having... Or, a lot of turnover. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Guys cycling through, so that stuff. Um, another thing I love, I mean, because they are a small denomination. I mean, in in the states, like I said, five hundred thousand worshippers, two thousand churches. So not you know, tons of churches, and chances are, if I run into another guy who's who's in the CMA on staff or a pastor or whatever, like we're one or two connections away from knowing people, and there's just just a family feel. We talk about that a lot. The the CMA family. Um, and it's a close knit thing, so that's a special thing that we kind of have. Some things that do frustrate me about the CMA, though, um, they do. It's a double edged sword. They do take a broad stance on some theological issues, so they don't say you have to be, you know, Calvinist or you have to be this. And I do appreciate that. But sometimes that broad, uh, that broadness can can be frustrating because you know there's people on other sides of it. Yeah. So
0: which which then, really. I should have said as well about the SBC because yeah. they're in a similar boat. Yeah. You've got very diverse. some churches which are very theologically robust, mm-hmm. and you have other ones like, like Elevation, yeah, which I, I don't know if they still even identify as SBC. I hope they don't. But Harvest. Yeah. I mean, that's a <laughs> hot topic right now. Um, <laughs> but and, yeah.
1: Yeah. So stuff like stuff like that, you know, in the broad...
0: It's a good thing, and it can be a frustrating thing.
1: Yeah. But in, in the knowing, like, just... The fact that we on our statement of faith there are a few very distinct things that people agree, so we know like they're, we're orthodox and we're together on these things, which is huge. And there's there's modes for people to change uh, our our statement of faith, some core things, but it takes a lot of work. and And it's kind of like a an institution where it moves slow, that can be very frustrating but it's a good safeguard yeah. against yeah. those yeah. kinds of things. So, And then my other frustration is just the fact that Rob won't join the CMA. <laughs> That's like Rob's like sworn against it because
0: yeah. he loves the SBC, I, I guess. I love the SBC. But anyway. Hey man, everybody's got their price, so you just write yeah. a fat enough check. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, we're not like that in the uh, CMA. <laughs> Hey, real quick, who's yeah. who's like a notable person that someone might know? The, the CMA is mm-hmm. is a small denomination, it's and small. so it yeah. just helps to know some.
1: Yeah, so obviously I said one A W Tozer. I didn't. Um, I didn't realize that. Yep, I was A-W-Toser like, oh shoot, the toes. The, <laughs> Uh, we don't we refer to him as Dr. Tozer. <laughs> um but yeah, he was a CMA pastor. Um the only probably other real famous one still alive is Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. He's ordained in this Christian Missionary Alliance the Christian Missionary Alliance yeah. uh guy. And so so here's an example where just I know we're getting long here, but the beauty of our polity. Last year, I think it was or a year and a half ago, was some kind of stuff came out about Rabbi Zacharias as far as maybe some falsification of his credentials. People, He doesn't actually have a earned doctorate degree. He has an honorary doctorate, and he was using that in his titles and stuff, and people said you shouldn't do that. So all that came out. Well, the denomination and the district he was in did a full investigation to all these things, and there's a few others. Like they investigated everything. And they emailed all the licensed workers and said, hey, this is what we've done. This is the steps we've taken. You know, just listed out everything. And they had the authority to do that. And that's a gift because, you know, if he's just out doing his thing, he didn't—he doesn't come in and submit to anyone. So because he did that, one, it gave everyone in our tribe, like, a sigh of relief. Okay, he's been checked. We're good. But it also gives him covering, saying, listen, I have been vetted by the group that I submit to, I come under their authority and they've done their job. And it's just a gift that our polity um, gives us. Not to say that we are absolutely right in everything. Um, No, but that
0: that is a huge gift. I mean, you guys can all then all be on the same page because somebody who's a part of your church might say, Hey, what the heck's going on with Ravi Zacharias? Right. And instead of you being like, Oh, I don't know. I haven't heard of any of this. You guys can say, here's what's happening. And we're aware of it. Whereas the SBC, even though leaders like that, so like some notable guys, I mean, you can list a ton of notable guys because the SBC is mm-hmm. huge, but like Albert Mueller, Matt Chandler, Mark Dever, I mean, just, just an view, There's others we could go. But like he, the, the thing is that the they are, yeah, name drop. Um, is they, John
1: MacArthur the SBC?
0: No, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, but they are called to submit to the authority of their church. However, there are churches in the SBC who don't take that real seriously. And then you have rogue situations where where bad things happen and nobody knows about it. There you go. So, praise God for the way that worked out with with Ravi Zacharias.
1: Yeah. So those are our two guys. Nothing uh, super, you know. I don't know. Famous like all the guys you hey, just listed, but fame is not. But what it's we about. are we're small and um, we have some nimbleness to that, which is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on this, Rick? Um, hey, we each spent about twenty minutes. I know. We I went, think I think you went a little bit longer than me. Yeah, really. Which I was shocked. Cause I was like, dude, I spent way I too like, much time yeah. on the SPC. And well, then-
1: I spent a lot less time going through the timeline because ours. Well, one, it's shorter. It's not as interesting. Um, but then I talked. I think more about stuff I like and stuff I don't like. Yeah, as and that's my preference, you know. And I've only been in the CMA a few years. I don't, you know. So anyway, yeah, um, that's about all I got. Thank you guys for listening. Cool. We appreciate Wrap you it guys. Up, homie. And uh, as always, reach out, talk to us, leave us reviews, um, questions, comments. Love the comments.
0: I yeah, love the ratings. We saw we had 24 iTunes. ratings today. Leave us a rating. Leave Thanks, us a guys. Hit us
1: up on uh, simpletheology.org. Yeah. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Peace. Peace.